series called Follow, and what we're talking about is the Lenten season, following Jesus up until his, uh, uh, his crucifixion, uh, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so what we've been talking about are different stories uh, that, that uh, lead up to Jesus's death. So the first one we talked about was Nicodemus, who comes at night, and he says, um, Look, I know you're from God because uh, no one can do these things. And then God, Jesus, like flips this whole script and says, uh, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus, of course, doesn't understand that. Like all of us who encounter the kingdom of God, oftentimes we don't understand at first what it is that we're experiencing. And then the next week we talked about the woman at the well, the story that we call the woman at the well, Samaritan woman, where Jesus breaks through all the barriers all the religious barriers and all the barriers to, um, that, that, that the system has set up, that power has set up. And he goes and he talks to not only a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. And we talked about why that was super important. Well, this morning, uh, as you saw from Michelle's video, we're going to be talking about the man born blind. It's one of my favorite stories. Actually, if just to be honest, um, this whole series is basically me just sharing my favorite stories of Jesus. Okay, so that, that's it. Oh, and then after Easter, we're going to kick off a series called Seven Things We Learned Through a Pandemic. And uh, I'm going to preach, or our team will preach seven, uh, seven um, sermons on uh, what, what did we learn? What did we learn about ourselves? What did we learn about God? Uh, uh, just spoiler alert, uh, it's not that great, actually. We didn't do that well during the pandemic. So we'll, t we'll talk about how to do better for the next pandemic. How about that? All right. So here's, here's what's happening. Jesus is going along, and there's this man who was born blind. And, and basically what that meant was he couldn't get a job. He was kind of an outcast, and all he could do for his life was beg. Okay, and we'll see in here, he had a home, he, he lived with his parents, but that, that was it, he, he would beg. And so he was a second-class citizen in that uh, particular uh, culture. That there was something wrong if you were born blind, or if you were uh, born with a disability of, of any, any kind. That God knew how to fix you, but chose not to, so you must have been in big trouble, or your family must have been in big trouble, or, or something like that. Now, the theology of that, uh, in, some, in some places in Christianity, kind of hasn't really gone away. Uh, so in some circles, it's like if you're, if you're making money, you're being blessed by God, and uh, it, it, you know, your health, and your wealth, and all these different things, that God will bless you if you do the right thing. And part of that is true. That's the whole point of sin. God says, no, sin is bad for you. you. It will not go well for you if you indulge in these different things. And so there is some part of that, but not like they did back then. So this is where we find them. The disciples and Jesus are walking along the road, and they basically ask this, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? In other words, this can't be right. And so somebody Maybe this will sound familiar to you. Somebody must be at fault. Like when something goes wrong, somebody has to pay. And this man, either he sinned or his family sinned or something, who was it? And that's what they asked. They say, uh, this man or his parents. 
that he would be born blind. This isn't right. And, and God, we know God is all powerful. And when something happens, we have to be able to come up with an answer because that's what humans do. Uh, living with a child that has a disability, and uh, as many of you know, uh, epilepsy, um, there were many times where this theology crept into my life. Where there'd be a seizure, and then a seizure, and then a seizure, and I'm like, okay, God, did I, was it me? Is it me? <laughs> like, am I the problem? Because you can heal him, but you're not, and I actually will be preaching on that as well, how to work through those questions and difficulty and pain. Uh, but it's not, it's not happening, so there must be something, right? So they ask that. This man or his parents, and I, I do find the question kind of comical, because... Um, like, did this man sin that he was born? How do, you, how do you sin before you're born, I guess? You know, I don't know. If you could, I probably did. Okay, I don't know how that's possible. But, but like, this man, like, well, no. No, maybe was God counting a future sin? But these are the questions we have to ask ourselves as we look to God as to, like, what's fair and what's not. Or, that, or his parents, that he was born blind. Can you imagine it's hard enough being a parent, but like if your sin messes up your kids, my kids, I don't even know where they'd be now. I'm glad. Thank you, Jesus, for not counting my sins against my kids. That he was born blind. Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is very important that we understand this. Jesus is beginning to, and he's going he's gonna to reference this all out through this story, begin to come upon this idea about what happens when the kingdom of the world meets the kingdom of God. Because we always want to explain everything as it relates to the kingdom of the world. We want to know why someone's born blind. We want to know why this is happening. We want to know that's happening. Well, it comes down to shalom is not present because of our brokenness. And that just plays into our existence as humans. We are broken, and God wants to bring shalom. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. I, I, I took this out uh, to be by itself because these are his words. And so as you go before your heavenly father throughout this week, and God there are consequences for sin. There is no doubt about that. But God doesn't punish you or make you a second-class citizen in the way that we would do that to ourselves. Does God allow the consequences of sin to affect us? Absolutely he does. But Jesus himself is saying this didn't happen because he or his parents sinned. These are the words of Jesus. And so I just want to point that out. For many of you, you're like, well, I already knew that. But for some, uh, this might be a new concept. You might be thinking that God is punishing you uh, because of something you're going through, loss of job or whatever. That might be a result of your sin. But it it isn't that he's punishing you and now you've, you, you are no longer loved by God. That is not what he's saying. So Jesus says that. And then he says this, which again, th th there's so much, it's just a story, but there's so much rich theology in here. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so you'd think to yourself, oh, <laughs> here's this man, through no fault of his own, is born blind. He goes through all the way up to adulthood, 
just so that he can be healed by Jesus. God makes this man suffer all this time. Here's what I would say to that. All of our brokenness can be used that God might display his works in us. If I'm born blind, if I have an issue, whatever it is, however our sin and brokenness created where we are today, God can use that for his glory. God can use you no matter what broken part of you exists. Maybe it is because of your sin, but maybe it's not. This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I just want you to know no matter what your past is, and we're going to be talking about this, that God can use that, even if it was mistakes on your own, to bring him glory and to bring restoration, okay? All right, so then he says this, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. And I told you from the Nicodemus story, John, the, the writer of this gospel, uh, uses a lot of day and night references, and this is one of them. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I'm in the world. And then he makes this famous statement, I am the light of the world. And I'm here to tell you uh, what I believe, and I'll talk a little bit more about this as we go along, that Jesus is the light of the world. The darkness in your life, the anxiety in your life, the sin in your life, all that, Jesus turns that light of the kingdom on and wants to bring healing and restoration to your past, to your present, and to your future. He accomplished it, on what we're going to celebrate on Easter with his resurrection, the conquering of both sin and death. And so Jesus is basically saying in the book of John to his disciples, I'm it. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the thing. Like he's the way to have relationship with our heavenly father. And so he makes this statement. And then he does this. After saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva. This is pre-COVID, okay? <laughs> if you see a blind person, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? Don't do this, all right? Just to be clear, all right? That's my, my service announcement. With saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. So just... Let's read the Bible for what it is. It's true, right? And so think about how that all went down. Like, he, like, like if you're watching Jesus right now, he goes, I am the light of the world. <laughs> like, and then he gets down on his knees and you're going, wait, what? what? What is he doing? And so he makes this little mud saliva thing. I don't know. I don't, wouldn't, I, I'd be like, ah, I'll just stay blind. It's cool, Jesus. Don't, um, I'm good. I'm good. Don't, don't put stuff on me. And he puts it on the guy's eyes. Now, he's not, he can't see yet. Well, because he's not only got mud on his eyes, but he can't see. And Jesus gives him an instruction. And this is one of the first things I want you to understand about Jesus and about healing and about restoration. He told him, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam which means, the, the word means scent. Go wash in the pool of scent, of Siloam. 
Jesus' healing comes with an action item. Now, Jesus heals a lot of times, and, and, and it just happens. He just heals. But in this particular case, Jesus says to him, look, healing's coming, but I want you to do some things. I know for me, and I know for some of you out there, you've experienced this yourself. You've, you've invited Jesus into your life. You've made him Lord. And you're, you're like, but why, why is there this, this thing? Why is this, you know, one thing that not, I'm not getting complete victory, complete healing? Well, maybe Jesus wants you to do something. That's what he does. There's another reason why he has him go wash, but uh, we'll see that in a second. So the man went and washed. He did it. He did what Jesus asked him to do. And here's the, here's the beauty of the story. And came home seeing. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine this grown man? Now, I don't know. At that point, you know, to be, you know, he could have been anywhere from, you know, 17 on or whatever. It doesn't matter. The fact is, the dude has spent his whole life blind. And then he comes home and he can see. This happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus. I was walking in darkness, I was walking in sin, I was walking in confusion, and I have an encounter with Jesus, I have an experience with Jesus, and I come home seeing. And for some of you, that may have been your story as well. There was a moment, a time where maybe it was from the washing for this guy or whatever it was where he's like, his eyes open up, and I love the video Michelle showed where it's just like all the... Well, Showing all the little colors and everything. And it's just like, what? Like, like, what do you see? You know? You look at your friends and you're like, whoa, you are way uglier than I thought you'd be. Like, I don't know what, like, what happens when you could all of a sudden see. Or you're like, you're, you know, with your parents. You're like, whoa, you guys are old. Like, like, what does that even mean? But he came home seeing. There was something different after this encounter with Jesus. There was something that will never go back to normal again. He comes home seeing. My goal for all of you here, all of you watching online, everybody in the patio or whatever, no gale force winds today, thank you, uh, is that whatever it is, whether it's a first-time commitment to follow Jesus or it's just another step, that you would go home different than how you uh, went out. So his neighbors see this, they, they, those, and those who had formerly seen him begging, ask, Is this, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? But there's something different. Well, obviously he could see, and he could walk around, he probably wasn't being led by anybody. Although I don't know what you would do if you couldn't see, and then you can. Like, you must have to, like, like how do you navigate steps? Like, do you even know, like, I don't know, it's weird. But anyway, uh, uh, some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him. This may have been part of your story too, as a follower of Jesus, or maybe about ready to take that step. That you become different. When you encounter Jesus, when you have an experience with Jesus, you become a different person. At least you should. If you haven't, come talk to me. Uh, you should. He only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I'm the man, <laughs> which I say all the time, but in different contexts. He himself said, I am the man. That is, 
that is me. I am the one who was blind. He begins to take ownership of this thing. Like, no one's going to be telling me what I am and what I'm not. I am the man, he says, which I think is funny. How were your eyes open, they asked. And he tells the story. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Okay, before we get moving forward, I just want to talk to Christians out there. Christians who are taught, um, and, and it's true, share your faith, right? Share your faith. And for a lot of Christians, myself included at times, that's just like, oh, like, nah, man, it's my faith. I don't want to. I don't want, we say, we say, um, share your testimony, okay? And we've turned this into, when I say share your testimony or share your faith, we've turned it into convince everyone around you, like have enough knowledge to present a case that convinces those around you. That is not what sharing your testimony is. Sharing your testimony is sharing your testimony. What happened? That's it. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. So I don't know if you've ever had to give testimony. I had to give testimony one time. Uh, I had a neighbor uh, that shot, came out in his front lawn uh, uh, at night and, with a shotgun and just started yelling and firing it in the air, okay, uh, which is frowned upon in our neighborhood. So... Um, so he does, he, he does that, and so I turn off all the lights, and Lisa and I were in like a little apartment at that point. I turn off all the lights, and then I sneak out the back door because I want to see what's going on, right, right, you know. And so Lisa calls 911, and uh, I'm outside, and I'm, I'm spying to see where he goes, and he, he runs away, runs down the street, and the police all come, and then they, they uh, uh, they're there, and I, and I said, you know... <laughs> excuse me, I know where he went, and um, they were not very polite to me. Anyway, uh, but once they knew that he wasn't in the house, I had to then point where he went, and they found him, and they said, you need to identify him, and they, sh they shined a light in the car, and I'm like, yeah, that's him, have a nice day, and they said, well, you're going to have to give your testimony, and I'm like, well, when I was 16, Jesus, no, I, I uh, like, you're going to have to give your testimony, and so I had to go to court, and give my testimony. Now, what was my job there? To convince a jury? No, that wasn't my job. What was my job in court? To, to tell the judge what, what, what the verdict should be? What the sentencing should be? No, no. My job was to give my testimony, which I did. And he went to jail. Anyway, um, and so that's all it is. That's all he's doing. Now watch, because it gets even better. They say, well, where's this man? Like, you just, you just told us what happened. How? This is what they're asking. Prove it. Where is he? And this, this dude comes up with three words that I wasn't comfortable saying until I was in my mid-40s. They're three words that if you can get used to saying it, it's going to change your life. And it's not, I love you. That, that should come a little earlier than that. 
Three words that this man says that if you can carry this forward into your life, not only in your testimony uh, with, with talking about Jesus, but just in general, to be comfortable with this, allows the Holy Spirit to do more than you could trying to convince somebody through uh, you know, memorizing a thousand Bible verses. Memorize a thousand Bible verses. <laughs> do that. But it's, that's not your testimony. He says this, I don't know. You can feel comfortable walking in faith and walking with Jesus and going, man, there are just some things I can't explain about my life with Jesus. I, I, I'm going to give my testimony. Here's what happened. I did this, I did that, and Jesus changed my life, and I, this is my life now, and I confess that I'm in accountability, and I worship with my friends and my family, and, and yeah, I mean, this is my thing. Well, what, what, about, what about that whole thing with the Trinity? I don't know the Trinity. I mean, I know there's a Trinity, but I can't explain that. Well, what about, what about this and that? How do you know that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, John, don't you get paid to know? I don't know. <laughs> I guess. I get paid to do a lot of things, okay? But there's some things I don't know. There's some things I can't explain. There's times of peace. And the Bible even warns you of this. The Bible says, and there's peace that surpasses all comprehension. You don't know. You just experienced God's peace. You ever had that happen? You're praying about something. Maybe you lost your job or something's going on with your kids or whatever's going on. And you go and you pray. And then all of a sudden you're like, that'll be fine. I don't know. Like, how did that happen? I don't know. It just did. That's what he says. Here's my point for this morning. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. Some people I know that have just given their life to Christ in the first couple days, first week, first couple weeks, they don't know anything about the Bible. They're misquoting scripture all over the place. Drives me nuts. <laughs> but they're experiencing Jesus. And it's part of that process. It's part of those steps. It's part of those, whoa, man, I didn't know that. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. That was a sin. That's a sin? Oh, okay. Should stop doing that. Yes, you should. But that's the thing. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. You don't have to explain everything about your faith to experience a deeply rooted relationship with your Heavenly Father. That journey starts and then it begins our entire lives. They brought uh, to the Pharisees the man who was born blind. What would happen is if you got healed of something, you had to go to the Pharisees. Now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now if you're reading this for the first time, just a few years after Jesus dies, right? And they, John sends out this gospel letter. When you read that in your head, it goes bum, bum, bum. Like, right? Like it's a big deal to do stuff on the Sabbath at that time. Because what the Pharisees had done, which a lot of organized religion does, is they take what God intended and then they distort it so that they can remain in power. And that's what, exactly what was happening. So, um, uh, was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. They don't care that he can see now. They don't care that, he's, that he was born blind and would beg and now 
is healed. They want to know how. They want to catch Jesus. He put mud on my eyes. He broke the Sabbath when he did that, by the way. Not God's Sabbath, their Sabbath. God didn't say you can't make mud, okay? Their little kids could go out and make mud patties. They weren't in sin, okay? It's the Pharisees, in order to remain in power, created all these other rules so that they could be the ones on top and everyone else was frightened because they're the ones who had it. And I washed, broke the Sabbath. So here's what Jesus does. I believe on purpose. He goes, oh, I'm going to heal. I'm going to heal right now. And I'm going to have me break their Sabbath, and I'm going to have you break their Sabbath. And then I'm going to have them sit with the miracle and go, ah, you both, and you can see now? That's what Jesus does. That's what happens when the kingdom of God enters the kingdom of the world. This is why Jesus prayed, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He brings shalom he brings universal flourishing. He brings the way it's supposed to be. That's what he does. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Okay, another pro tip, just real quick. Don't say Jesus is not from God. Okay, all right. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided, right? Jesus did exactly what he was supposed to do. I'm going to break all your rules and your systems and your little things that you've got going, but then I'm going to bring a miracle and you're going to have to figure that out. They turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Okay, there's another thing in court, since we're in the whole court testimony thing. Never ask a question where you don't know what the answer is going to be. If you're a lawyer, okay? It's just a rule. I saw it on CSI. <laughs> it was your eyes he opened. And here's what he says. He's a prophet. And they're like, like, shoot. This isn't going well for us. Which means he's from God. Basically, he says, it was your eyes you were open. Oh, yeah, he's from God. Totally, he's from God. And now they sit with their system. He goes on, they still did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents, okay? Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Now, this is so funny to me. He, we know he's our son, okay? And we know he was born blind, okay? But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's a They're throwing this kid under the bus, their own kids. They're just like, I don't know, ask him. See you later, right? And, uh, and so he will speak for himself. But here's the interesting thing. They did know who it was. Because remember, he came home seen. And you don't think he told them the whole story? Of course he did. Come on. And so they're like, oh, no, man, we don't want to make, okay. Just another little tidbit out of this story. They were so embedded in the system. They were so embedded in the way it looks like to follow God that they were frightened that it was going to change. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And for you and I, you don't think anything of it. If I put you out of here, if I say, hey, uh, you know, Gary, you're not allowed to come to church here anymore. Guess what Gary would do? He'd find another church, like probably right down the street. Well, not down the street. It would be in another city. But the point is, is that he'd find another church. 
Because when we come to church, we come to church because this is what we like, and then we like the music, and we like this and that, and all this kind of stuff. They didn't have that. You had a synagogue. That was your synagogue. There wasn't like another Baptist synagogue like right down the, the, the street that has, you know, better camel parking. Like it, it's not, it didn't work that way. So to be put out of the synagogue meant you were put out of community. And so they were scared of that. That's why his parents said, we're out of here, okay? So then they do the good cop, bad cop thing. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man's a sinner, right? And here's what the man says. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. And then he shares his testimony. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. That's how you share your faith. You just go, I, I don't know. I don't know how it all works out. I don't know what to say. I just, I'm telling you, I was blind and now I see. My testimony, when I share my testimony, even as a pastor, a wonderful seasoned, very intelligent pastor, I basically say, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. Let me tell you about my relationship with Jesus. That's all I do. I don't do, I, I mean, I can do Bible verses and they're important and I use them, but, but I rephrase them as it relates to my testimony. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers to be able to just share your testimony. One time, the disciples come and they're, they're uh, trying to give a testimony to uh, some leaders. And basically, they just say, we can't. They said, don't, don't talk about this anymore. And they, this is what they said. We can't stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Like, how do we do that? Like, how do you not talk about what you've seen and what you've heard. They asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open his eyes? Now, this is, this is how I know. I can't speak for the ladies out there, but I can tell you as a dude, this would start to get on my nerves, okay? Especially if I can now see, and I know where the punch is going to land, okay? So I'd start to get upset. He answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen, and then he says this. This is so cool because sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? Oh, that's what they say. That they're so infuriated at this point as you could possibly be. Like imagine for the Democrats out there, uh, the Republicans, if you, like, uh, if you said like, um, oh, what, do you want to become a Democrat too? And the Republican would be like, never, right? Okay. They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, okay, NIV, you can do better. You don't need fellow in there, okay? Do better. Anytime you see fellow in the Greek, it's dude, okay? But as for this dude, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered. Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Do you know what his argument is? Look at me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, fine. You know everything about everything. Great. I, okay. He saved my life. Like, my plan is to spend eternity with Jesus. That's my plan. I can't, I can't convince you of anything else. I can't 
like come up with arguments that will convince you, you're going to have to experience that yourself through faith. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so this is their answer. As, the, as Wilson comes back up. This is their answer. Okay? So he, God gave his testimony. This is how he changed my life. Whatever, I got a WWJD bracelet, like I'm, I'm, go, I'm going down the line. You're steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They canceled him. They took his Twitter account offline. They can't, he has no more Facebook page, right? Now listen. You can't see for your entire life. And then you can see. And they say, you can't be in the synagogue. I don't care. If I were blind and then I could see, it doesn't matter what anyone around me believes or can do. I don't care. Like there's nothing that's going to change me back to being blind again. And that's where this guy is. And watch what happens. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, which I don't know, again, maybe just because I'm a dude. I just picture him like sitting around and then someone tells him and he's like, what? <laughs> you know, like he's just like, it's that like slow motion hairs like flipping back like, uh-oh, he's going to go back to Jerusalem. And he says he heard they had thrown him out and he found him. And he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. We're going to end with a, a song, and uh, I know I, I put a lot on your plate for this one, uh, different things to kind of think about and take home. But my question is this, how have you experienced Jesus? For some of us, we experience him through God's word, and that's important. And that's, some of us experience them through just experience, just the Holy Spirit that kind of, it, we, we have just like, a, it's more of an emotional response. Some of us experience them through like really deep cognitive thinking. But how you experience Jesus, once you give your life over to him and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and, and you begin that journey, that's how you experience Jesus. That's your testimony. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. So as we end with this last song, and I'll come back up and give us a blessing. We went a little late this morning. I apologize for that. Um, uh, as we do that, I'd ask you to, during this time, to just think, how, how do I experience Jesus? How do I experience my faith? And then we lean into that. Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you uh, watch over us and that you um, uh, work with us, Lord God, that you know this is a journey. You know this is a process, and you know we're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. But God, we want to experience you deeper and deeper and deeper. And maybe that means to go and wash, to go do something out of the ordinary, maybe extraordinary, 
so that we could see. So we ask, Lord, as we uh, end with this song, that you would uh, speak to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen.